0: Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast.
1: Yes, welcome in everybody. This is the podcast where every yard does indeed count, your ears are glued into the Full 10 Yards and those ears do not deceive you. I am not Tim Monk, as you can tell, um, mm-hmm. but I am joined by Tim this week. Uh, I'm Sean, one of the regulars on the podcast and one of the writers over at the Full 10 Yards. Um, and I'm joined by my usual two partners in crime. So the aforementioned Tim. Good evening, mate. How are you?
2: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, a bit of a sore neck loads of driving drive-in and um, my eyes were burning after last night's showing, but we'll get on to that in a bit.
1: We will indeed, mate. <laughs> and Lawrence back yet again from another trip to the capital, mate. How are you doing? Well, after that win, I've just got to sing hell to the Redskins mm. um, for
0: their first win. But yeah, I'm glad that I actually get to sit on the sofa um, this coming weekend after um, copious hours in, in National Express mm. coaches. But two worthwhile games, mm. and look forward to talking about them in a bit. I'm
2: surprised you haven't got a uh, Cockney accent there, uh, Lawrence.
0: It's 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 from the Midlands, mm. yeah. It's, it's 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 rubbed off. Uh, do you, I, do you, I used to be
2: a proper mockney uh, yeah. Did you, did you feel your two trips to to London? Do you feel like you've you've got an urge now to look down at your phone and uh, not smile at anyone?
0: I've bonded. I've bonded back
2: with <laughs> South.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I, I'm a, I'm am I'm a proud southerner, so yeah.
1: It was it, I felt at home for those those couple of trips. Yeah, all good. Very good. Jolly good. So. Uh, The week six schedule is near enough in the rearview mirror. We've just got Monday Night Football to come, and as this is your Monday edition, that's exactly what we're here to talk about, what happened in week six, whose stock's rising, whose is falling, and get you all the information you need on the games that have just been. So without further ado, we're going to kick off this week with our first and ten, and that will be the game of the week, which by our definition this week is the Houston Texans travelling over to arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs first down. So this was the early game in the Sky sports window so many of you would have got to witness this one and you would have seen the chiefs jump out earlier to a 17 to 3 lead in the first quarter. Um, But from there, it became what was a familiar story as Patrick Mahomes then spent plenty of time on the sidelines. The Texans dominated the time of possession here, nearly 40 minutes to 20, um, and eventually come all the way back to take this one, 31 to 24 on the road. Uh, 472 total yards of offence here for the Texans, including that well-established ground game with 192, and Carlos Hyde continuing his little Indian summer in his career, 26 carries for 116 yards and finding the end zone once again. Uh, for the Chiefs, the big news, I suppose, obviously Tyree Hill is back and doesn't look like he's missed the beat. A um, couple of grabs in the end zone. But unfortunately, as we discussed last week, that defence just can't seem to get off the field. Um, and potentially, teams may have found the answer in terms of how you beat this Chiefs team that a few weeks ago looked unplayable. Uh, so that's a little... Nutshell summary. Tim, I'm going to hand over to yourself, mate, just for a bit of a general sort of conversation about the game. What was your thoughts on it? Some of the big plays that you saw. Um, mm. you know, And ultimately, your thoughts on the result.
2: Yeah, interesting game as well. I, I, I mentioned on the betting podcast on Saturday that I actually fancied Houston to go in here. I, th- I think the blueprint's now been set for how to beat Kansas City. Obviously, obviously last season, Super Bowl was obviously how you beat... Uh, the L.A. Rams and they're getting uh, found out a bit this season as well. But yeah, Kansas City Chief, keep uh, Patrick Mahomes off the field. I know it's um, a whole different thing trying to execute. But uh, yeah, if you can run the ball and you can keep Mahomes, you can you can extend drives. Um, you've got a very good you've got a very good chance of winning. Yeah, like say yeah, opening opening drive 46 deep bomb to, to Tyreek Hill. Uh, well, play that was by the way. Climbing up over the defender, uh, I can't remember his name, but um, he's you know he, he might as well have not been there to be quite honest anyway. So that's probably why I didn't know what his name was. Um, but yeah, grabbing the ball over the top, Randy Moss-like I suppose, and then to have the awareness of where he was to, to stabilise himself and then shed two tackles and, and get it in the end zone. Great individual uh, play there, despite what you might think of him off the field. Um, this one all came to down to Deshaun Watson um, on, on the field on, the, on his feet on the ground. And like I say if you if you Carlos Hyde had a had a bit of a revenge game, then he enjoyed he must have enjoyed that one. Uh, but Watson, Deshaun Watson, second straight game with no sacks, um, which obviously is a big thing for him. So he he might actually have a healthy body now, which I'm not quite sure. He'll know what he feels like. So. Um, yeah, so quite quite interesting for him. Deshaun Watson also surpassed 7,500 career passing yards in just his 29th career game. Uh, second only to Kurt Warner, so that's a nice little stat there for Deshaun Watson. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for a couple of um deep bombs to Will Fuller that he dropped, um, we'd have had an absolutely, absolutely crazy game. Um, but yeah, Houston defense held the Chiefs to 209 yards. Um, uh, but the thing, and say what I said earlier about the, the blueprint. Is the Houston uh, offense had two drives that accounted for nearly 15 minutes in game clock time, uh, which is obviously vital to obviously keeping Mahomes off, off the field. So um, if you can, yeah, this this Kansas City, uh, defense isn't great. If you can, if you can run, if you can run the ball, you're, you're going to have a good chance of uh, a good chance of winning the game.
1: No, absolutely, mate. Like you said, the blueprint potentially is set there. And when we talk about the blueprint, possibly a little bit early when we we talk about playoffs in October. Um, But this game, obviously, a conference game, potentially will have some implications when it comes to that. Lawrence, just to get your views on it, what do you think this means for both of these sides in terms of their playoff ambitions down the stretch?
0: It's a really funny one because both teams have got exactly the same record at the moment. They're both leading their division just at four and two. Um, But if you look, it's absolutely parallel. So, the... um, the AFC West, Raiders are at three and two. They've had their bye. In the AFC South, you've got the Colts at three and two with their bye. And then you've got um, both the Broncos, Chargers, and then the Jaguars, Titans, all at two and four. So just about hanging in there. I think this this could come to become a kind of tiebreaker in terms of who gets the, the number two seed in the AFC. But as you know, I've got a big man crush still, and it's going to continue the whole season with Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think the Ravens have, have shown their full plumage yet. So I think this is, this is it's going to be a tough one for the, for the Chiefs to swallow. Because um, as it stands, we've got the Patriots that are just the, the class of the AFC. Um, nothing's really changed there. But this is a big momentum um, win for the Texans. Hmm. And just one little statistic out of all of the, the numbers that have come out of the, the game on Sunday... I think one of the biggest numbers was zero, which was the amount of sacks that Deshaun Watson took. Because that was one of the one of the big problems that the Texans have had is 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 um you know, a leaky offensive line. They are now playing at a much much higher level. So I think if Deshaun Watson can avoid being sacked in games, think
2: the sky's the limit. Mm. Before we move on Sean I just want to mention yeah, that, you know, it hasn't been obviously sacked through two games but they have played Atlanta and they have played Kansas City not notorious for, for getting pressure to the quarterback so it would be interesting to see going forward whether or not it is the offensive line or maybe it was just a kind of a case of it's who they played so um, and let's, let's not forget also in this game uh, go, it might go under the radar is that the Chiefs uh, kind of threatened to, to blow this one away obviously uh, opening touchdown drive from Kansas City and in the Carlos Hyde fumble so um, <coughs> They did, they did. They did well there to to overcome that that off that that early the, those early setbacks.
1: No, absolutely an impressive win, certainly on the road as well. Um, and like, like Lawrence alluded to, they're potentially going to have some tiebreaker implications down the line. Um, you know, so very impressive result for the Texans on the road. Uh, Chiefs fans, Texans fans, get in touch with us over at Full Ten yards. Tell us what your views on the game were. Be interested to see how you feel your sides are going to fare down the stretch as we get towards that playoff run. Um, But we're going to move on now, guys, to 2nd and 10, and we'll concentrate on the games in the early window. 2nd down. Okay, so we'll start your early window with the earliest of the games from the week, and that's thinking back all the way to last Thursday night when the Patriots... Took on the Giants and it'll be of no surprise here that the Patriots outgained the Giants 313 yards to 213 through the air and 114 yards to 52 on the ground as they, again, dominate time of possession, hold the ball for nearly twice as young, twice as long and essentially hammer the Giants on Thursday night football. Uh, the Patriots' defence and special teams are quite possibly fancy football's darlings of the season. Dominating here again, two more scores in this one and another three interceptions. Uh, A strange game that the Patriots put up that many points and Tom Brady's held without a touchdown. However, he scores two rushing touchdowns for a grand total of two yards combined. (laughs) Typical Tom Brady, the best quarterback sneak in the league. Mm. Um, Good news for Giants fans, a bit of a welcome back game for Golden Tate. Six for 102 and a 64-yard touchdown. Against um, you know it was a completely depleted joint side so already without Saquon also didn't dress Evan Ingram, or Sterling Shepherd. It was always a tough ask. It was essentially made impossible with the injury problem. Uh, joint certainly looking better, but this was a, a step too far. And as we've already said, Patriots still the class of the AFC despite some question marks yeah. just around what, that offense.
2: Just want to just want to point out Sean as well. I probably won't come to uh, anyone's surprise that Tom Brady now the, is the oldest player to score two touchdowns in a game.
1: Well, he's got every other record,
2: so why not? That <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to tack them, tack them all on. Also, are, are, you, are you done with uh, this game, uh, Sean? Yes. mate. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to point out from a fantasy perspective, New England's defense is absolutely killing it. Um, if you if you'd have put the New England's current score into last week, into last year's uh, scoring, there'd have been the new, the uh, de- defensive eight, and that's all season. And we're not even halfway through the season yet, and they're already the defensive eight of last year. So, yeah.
1: Phenomenal. Go. Mental. Dominance. Absolutely totally mental. Phenomenal. yeah OK, we then got a bonus early window, if you like, because the London game this week was an early kickoff. So, football, not just for seven hours commercial free, but for 11 hours commercial free. Scott Hansen had himself a field day. Lawrence, you were there to watch it. Talk us through Panthers and Bucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, fantastic game, 37-26. The second highest scoring contest in London, I think, just behind the, the Chargers-Saints game. Um, it was another revenge game. This time for the Panthers defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. He got two and a half sacks and tied the Panthers with 4 quarter, I'm sorry, led the Panthers with four quarterback hurries and two tackles for a loss. So big game for McCoy coming back playing the Buccaneers. And um, wait there, wait there. Sorry, I've just got to interrupt you because there has been a possible global terror threat. The plane carrying Jameis Winston has just been intercepted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, rehearse that one. Um, so he, his his five picks uh, was only complemented by his seven sacks and two fumbles, um, one of which he lost. And um, he was, you know, he was completely let down. Jameis Winston was completely let down by by a moribund run game that had absolutely zero impact. Um, the fact that he got 400 yards passing was um, symptomatic of playing catch-up all game, not the fact that he was, you know, finding his targets, um, and kind of the yeah, just, just, just kind of, just didn't work. And, and seeing him live, he he just didn't look comfortable. He was he was getting hurried the entire game. Um, run CMC, unfortunately, was a bit more like walk CMC. Um, as he was held to 57 yards in total on 26 touches, um, obviously his two touchdowns made up for it um, in terms of fantasy production. And I think his 25 yards um, catch and run was an absolute beauty. Um, probably my favourite touchdown from the from the night. Um, Buck's secondary was was weak. Um, Kyle Allen could have taken more of an advantage of the game, but this is a new look Panthers um, receiving core. They're no longer reliant on the big old bean poles like Kelvin Benjamin. Instead, they got DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who both—they might be fast, but they're both five foot eleven. So I think there was—you there was know—that was something that they couldn't quite take as much advantage of as they, as they should have. Um, it was a three-hour, twenty-six-minute game, so fans got their money's worth. But um, unlike the Taz of last week's opening game, there was no halftime show, no performance. And instead, we had a, a youth flag game um, where there was one young man who looks about five years older and more developed than everybody else. Um, not quite to the extent of the legendary. Have you seen the legendary clip of um, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid as a 13 year old who looked like a man amongst nursery school kids in a past punk kit competition from from back in the 70s? If you haven't seen this clip and you're listening to this podcast, pause the podcast now and look up Andy Reid, pump, pass, kick, and then come back on. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the most incredible bit of footage you're ever going to see. Um, just want to say that, that we, we were blessed with some dry weather for the game. It was obviously damp and miserable getting there, but once we were there, fantastic. Um, and we even got a bit of blue sky towards the um, third and fourth quarter. Um, and I just Just a couple of little personal notes that you won't have seen by watching the game on TV. Um, firstly I want to shout out to the Bucks receiver Mike Evans who in the warm ups came up and interacted with a with a teenage fan who was wearing the same jersey as him and then the young man even got given a um, a, a warm up ball thrown to him by a member of the training staff which he was he was that excited he was shaking um, Are you sure it wasn't James wanted...
2: Winston warming up with interceptions No 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 no
1: <laughs>
0: he looked all right in warm ups to be fair um and then the other one really kind of nice moment was um, during the game, one of the um, line judges spotted one of the players had a towel, their kind of hand towel had fallen off their belt. Um, so he picked it up and instead of stuffing it in his pocket, he just turned around and gave it to a, a small boy in the crowd. And I just thought that was, that was just a really nice touch from referees who get a lot of stick to, to do that. I think just just a nice touch. Um I mean, overall, it was it was fun to see a lot of touchdowns and a, and a lot of superstars. Um, and in a, in a weird way, it was actually better to see Carl
1: Allen on form
0: than Cam Newton, who's been off kilter for about twelve months now.
1: No, absolutely, mate. I think Carl Allen's certainly stamping his authority on that team. They've got an interesting decision when Cam does get fit, if he does get fit indeed, as to what they do at that position, but. Sounds like another great weekend down at Tottenham. I think that stadium seems to have really hit the nail on the head when it comes to hosting these games. Uh, So fingers crossed for a good slight next year. And obviously Wembley's got a couple of games coming up. It's going to have a big act to follow. Um, Let's get back over to the States then. And Tim, you're going to whiz us through Saints, Jags, Minshew, Magic seemingly faded in this one.
2: Yeah, I'm not, sure. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get a minute of content out of this one. But yeah, it was a defensive game, wasn't it? Um, Gardner Minchu severely limited by the Saints' defence. And I think we need to be talking about Cameron Jordan a bit more on the defensive side of the ball as well. He's uh, very much an afterthought when you think of all the other guys that are um, making the headlines at the moment in the NFL. But uh, interesting stat for you. When, uh, the, when the Saints scored that touchdown, lovely touchdown to Jared Cook as well, uh, was their first touchdown uh, in the first quarter of a game since Week 16 last season. So uh, seven-game streak... <coughs> Um, was the was the active the longest active streak in the NFL? So, um, yeah, Jared Cook there, lovely, lovely touchdown in the end zone. Um, yeah, Saints are looking in really good shape now, aren't they? Yeah, Drew Brees are not sure how much of a ball he can grip at the moment. Um, he's not going to be asking anyone to drop their balls any anytime and cough. But um, yeah, Saints got went in there, you know, got the job done and then got out. I say Gardner Minshew, uh, heavily restricted passing wise. You know, he's, 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 I'm not even gonna even bother saying what his stats were because they're not worth writing home about. Yeah,
1: the Saints defence really stepping up to the plate, helping uh, keep that club going while is injured. And, and like you say, they would have absolutely snapped your hands off for the record they've got now when he went down against the Rams. Uh, we'll move on then to Seahawks-Browns, which I will whiz you through. Entertaining game this one, certainly for the neutral, or for Seahawks fans for that matter. Um, Russell Wilson continues to make his push for MVP um, as he brings the Seahawks back from a big early deficit to win 32-28 on the road. Um, Browns showed glimpses here of what everyone thought they might be, and it was a little bit similar to what happened in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. Three possessions resulted in three touchdowns, two on the ground, Nick Chubb, um, as usual, looking really good. Baker Mayfield actually took his first um, rushing score of his career as well um, and found tight end Ricky Seals-Jones for another big play through the air. Um, he has looked good in limited action so far with the Browns, with who's down injured currently. Um, however, the Browns then became what we'd like to call the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Completely exploded. Um, four turnovers, including three further Mayfield interceptions. Although, to be fair to him, two of those were via deflection off receivers. Um, so Baker's final stat line of 22 of 37, 249 yards, the touchdown and the three interceptions. Uh, Russell Wilson, he certainly spreads the ball around a lot more. He's he's top target, only had five catches, uh, but he finished 23 of 33 with two touchdowns. Again, not giving the ball away. That's now 14 touchdowns to zero interceptions on the season. And Chris Carson, another big day on the ground, um, criticised a couple of weeks ago for fumbling, has looked very, very secure in the two games since. And he went for a big day here. 24 carries, 124 yards. And the touchdown, which ultimately proved to be the game winner um, with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, From a Browns fan's perspective, incredibly frustrating. I've I've said on the chats that we've had, boys, in the WhatsApp group that it's a team that is very much feast or famine. And they've been doing that on a game-by-game basis. Uh, They actually decided this week to actually put it all into the same game. Um, an absolutely phenomenal start I couldn't believe what I was watching to be fair Um, and then like I say just I I hate to use the phrase the same old Browns but ultimately that's exactly what it did feel like Um, beating themselves some very dodgy refereeing calls and I'm not using that as an excuse but there was a, a blindside block thrown against Jarvis Landry which is quite possibly one of the worst officiating decisions you will ever see the contact was actually initiated by a Seahawks player uh, and that prevented the Browns from moving the chains and uh, and sort of driving at, at a crucial point of the game. But like I said, they, they, these are all just minor things. The reality is the Browns continue to beat themselves. They can't get out their own way. They've got a bye week coming up, which they desperately need, and then a nice easy trip to Foxborough coming out of the bye. Um, so just what the doctor ordered, I'm sure. Um, as for the Seahawks again, do what they do. They were there to mop up the pieces. They never really, where you, I would suggest, with anything spectacular, but they always do just about enough. Um, and one nice thing to come out of today, just to further enhance Russell Wilson's reputation, apparently his headset had lost all communication, and essentially for the game-winning drive, he called the entire offence all the way down the field. Mm. So, Fair play. Great display, for, great display from him, and... Uh, Obviously, that moves the Seahawks now to 5-1 and one and drops the Browns to 2-4. and four. Um, With the Browns dropping to 2-4, and four, the Bengals and Ravens gave the Ravens an opportunity to open up a two-game division lead, Lawrence. And you're going to tell us how they did that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bengals are part of the sort of tank
0: group of teams without a win. So, it's not much to gloat about. But Lamar Jackson did have his, um, have his way with his legs on Sunday. 152 yards rushing for a quarterback is, is pretty ridiculous and in fact is the the highest ever for a, a quarterback who's been in the in the NFL two years or less. So an, another little record for him. Um, and at this, this current rate, cause I, I love doing a Lamar Jackson projection. He's now projected for over 4,000 passing yards and, and over 1,250 rushing yards. Um, but more importantly, the, the projection at this rate is that the team will finish 10-6 and six, um, in terms of wins and losses. Um, and I think that's enough to win the division. Um,
1: mm. More than enough.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the least we talk about the Bengals' running game, the better. Um, wide receiver Alex Erickson's one kind of gadget play yielded more yards than that of Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard put together. Um, and then, I, I guess, the only other kind of small highlight for the for the Bengals was wide receiver Auden Tate, who had twelve targets on the day, but even even he only caught five of those targets. So not really much else to report here. Game the, the score was obviously a lot closer than the than the actual matchups. Mm. So you know, credit the Bengals for keeping it competitive, but yeah, this is this is a four and two team and a and a Norton six team.
1: No, absolutely, mate. Um, I don't think we're ever going to agree on your man crush. I'm still not convinced, and I'm not sure 152 yards rushing is a good stat for a quarterback, but we'll leave that debate for another day.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> it's amazing what so, Bengals'
2: defence does, isn't it? Yeah,
1: indeed, <laughs> indeed. We
2: didn't even talk about the uh, opening kickoff return by Bengals as well.
1: Yeah, it's very rare you actually see a kick-off return now. That's probably why we've all forgotten I'm So used to people just taking a knee that actually, when someone runs back, one runs one back, it, uh, it goes under the radar. Yeah. Um, talking about a team that was very heavy run reliant and has all of a sudden found its past game. Tim
2: Eagles Vikings. Oh, this is a lovely game. This one, uh, yeah. Eagles pretty much shut down in in the first half, wasn't it? It was a game of two, th- three, and two teams. Big, uh, big game in terms of potentially wild card aspirations as well. If uh, both teams um are going to finish second in their in their respective divisions although I'm not going to going to get ahead of myself being a Cowboys fan especially after the last three weeks but never no, mind no, that's, that's for a bit later um yeah Kirk Cousins this this Eagles secondary uh is just trash isn't it um you know Stefan Diggs three touchdowns and however many yards he wanted to be quite honest uh Kirk Cousins continued to to feast on on the the plays that were there deep downfield, he had a bit more time, and uh, the the Eagles couldn't really do anything about it. It'd Be interesting to see um one of my one of my Eagles friends really thinks that they should uh, be knocking at Jalen Ramsey's door and seeing what they want for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, to be quite honest. And it's not the worst one in the world. You know, Harry Roansman and Doug Pedersen uh, do like to, to spin the wheel a few times, don't they? Roll the dice if you like. Um, but here's a stat for you. Vikings are 14-0 since 2017 when they've led at the end of the first quarter. Only the New England Patriots have an equal stat line uh, as well. So just shows you once they get ahead they are a good running team indeed. But this, yeah, this defence was uh, was fierce to say. I think they limited uh, Carson. I think they had two first downs in the first half or something stupid like that. Well, uh, sorry, the first, first quarter or something stupid. Um, um, yeah, totally on lockdown. And if you say, I think what was it, 20, 24, da- 24, 10 down at the half. Uh, big, big, interesting call uh, made by Doug Pederson actually to, to go for it on fourth down instead of. Um, well, I say go for it. It was a fake, uh, fake field goal attempt, Jake Elliott, but uh, the uh, Vikings snuffed that one out, and it, that was kind of all she wrote on that one because the uh, Eagles come out second half, first drive, and scored. So um, yeah, could say that that might be appearing a bit later on in the podcast. But yeah, Vikings get ahead early. Um, kind of started to clench their uh, their backsides a little bit, should we say, so, we, so I don't have to bleep it out. Um, I think they got 24-20, I think he got to, and then, um, yeah, the rest, the rest was history. Uh, Kirk Cousins, again, they say deep one down to, to Stefan Diggs and uh, Vikings come away with a big win.
1: Yeah, like you said, going to potentially have some playoff implications down the line. Really pleased to see the Vikings passing game coming back to life because I think, you know, I sort of said at the start of the season, I fancied them quite strongly in that division. I think they're the most complete team, um, and those two receivers are as good as anybody as a pair. So good to see that that seems to be clicking. Um, Kirk Cousins does what he does, he beats up on teams that he should. Um, it's always a case of getting him in. A tough spot will get him in prime time and then he, he seems to, to fade back into the shadows, but we'll finish the early slate with the, the game that everyone was waiting for. Kirk Cousins old team, the tank bowl. Someone was going to have to win it, and it was the, the Redskins looking victorious as the failed two-point attempt saw them hang on for a 17-16 to 16 win in Miami. Um, it, was just, it was anticipated throughout the week that the Skins would try and establish the ground game and they did just that in this one. Adrian Peterson more than doubling his season output. Um, 23 carries for 118 yards. Um, but all the scoring came via um, impressive rookie Terry McLaurin, who grabbed another two touchdowns to continue his fine start to his rookie campaign. Um, this game threatened to, to sort of reignite a bit of Fitz magic. Josh <laughs> Rosen hit the bench after going 15 of 25 for a paltry 85 yards and a couple of picks and Fitzmagic did engineer 13 points in the fourth quarter, but that failed two-point attempt that we've alluded to ultimately meant that the comeback fell short and the tank is very much still on. Um, Lawrence, I can't not let you have your moment here, mate. You've waited a few weeks for it. How does it feel to finally get a, a W in the win column?
0: It's it's an almighty relief, I have to tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked the Redskins got the win after that... Um, that fits magic comeback I mean he was he was one two point um, conversion from his his sorcery magic making a bigger comeback than a 30 something year old Harry Potter with facial hair um, but obviously not as good as as, as Ryan's himself um, lucky yeah, but we'll take the win little interesting note here is that we were the only NFC East team to have a victory this week. <laughs> um, so that, Mark, that was quite satisfying.
2: Mark that one in your calendar.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, just a little side note, I mean, Coach Callahan, our, our interim head coach, it's his first NFL win as a head coach since 2002. So, you know, you say we're patient waiting six weeks for a win. He's waited 17 years for one. So, um, you know... I can't say credit where credit's due because, you know, if it wasn't for that um, pretty awful execution um, of the play, the Chad O'Shea, Dolphins offensive coordinator, calling out a, <laughs> uh, a, a, a kind of swing, screen pass to Kenyan Drake, who just, I, he looks he looked a bit stunned that it, it went his way. It was, I think... They had no, know, intention in, in, no intention of making
2: that. Yeah,
0: in, in his in his head... He was, you know, he was thinking, yeah, this is this is gonna, this is all gonna work out well, and then it just, it was just a, a hideous ending, and 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 sorry, the the Dolphins' misery continues, and uh, if we if we benefit by getting a win out of that, all the better.
1: Now, I'm pleased for you. It's always nice to get one on the board. I've sat through an 0-16 season, and it's not nice. Right, boys, we better move on to third and ten and run through these late games. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, a few more games this week on the late slide than there were in Week 5, um, which is always nice to see. But I will start off with a game that saw one team shut out, and that was the Titans and the Broncos. And question coming out of it is, have we potentially seen the start of the Ryan Tannehill era? Um, Marcus Mariota finishing this one on the bench after going 7 of 18 for just 63 yards and throwing two interceptions. And it's not just Mariotta that's the problem with this offence. got nothing at all going on the ground either. Derek Henry, 15 carries for 28 yards and a long of just six. Um, Tannehill did not improve the offence, but this team just looks awful at the minute. Um, Vic Fangio has all of a sudden got the Broncos firing defensively after having no sacks to start off the first few weeks. Seven in this one, along with three total interceptions and a false fumble. Um, There's still plenty of question marks I would suggest about this Broncos' offence. I think it is going to be what it's going to be with Joe Flacco at quarterback. But nice to see Philip Lindsay getting going. Um, He found the end zone again here this week. Um, And again, this is is two teams now with the same record, but trending in completely different directions. Um, Tim, going to move on to you, mate. I know you were... Suffering
2: this one last night. Yeah, awful one. Talking from going from one bad one bad play calling uh, game to another it is what it is, isn't it? Another another hole that the Cowboys dug themselves into. Yeah, not not great viewing. I I don't know if Killum if Jason Garrett's gone up to Killamore and said, look, mate, you you're making me look really awful here. What, what are you doing? Give me uh, this isn't this isn't how it's supposed supposed to be. But there we go. Uh, turning point in this one was the uh, Cowboys getting stuffed on fourth and goal. Uh, one play later, then uh, Donald 92 was it 92 yard touchdown uh longest uh touchdown of the season in the in the National Football League. That kind of uh was a big swing rather than kicking the three the ten point swing there, isn't it? So uh the final now in the coffin was pretty much Ryan Griffin just before the half, twenty one to six. Shout out to Brett Maho though, first kicker in NFL history to make two sixty two yard field goals, so um, he, he he's had some questions asked of him over the last year or so. Some, yeah, I know he missed from 40 yards in this game as well. So those questions aren't going to be going away anytime soon. I said to you prior to the podcast, Dallas drives aren't actually too bad, but I just think... Uh, uh, Jason, I think J- J- Tony Romo um, intimated a little bit that, um, that some of the drives had Jason Garrett's fingerprints written all over it. So uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on in the in the back room there or what's going on with play call But um, uh, another thing as well, D- Dak Prescott took way too many big hits in this one. My God. Um, some of them were, you know, winced at some of them. So they, they were, they were awful. And um, Tyrant, no Tyron Smith and No Lyle Collins, um, and then pretty much the offensive line uh, collapses like a, a cheap deck chair. But um, uh, he'll be saw, he'll be saw today, uh, Dak Prescott. But um, yeah, there's there's a big call that's going to come on a bit later on in the, in the podcast. Jason Garrett corner uh, absolutely abysmal. Um, so I, I'll save it for that. Um, couple of injury notes, Amari Cooper left the game with a quad injury, uh, at that point we're always behind the eight ball, I mean Cedric Wilson and, and all the rest of them aren't, aren't Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup had a fair few goes through his hands as well actually, which is un- unlike him considering his uh, his decent start you know, to the season, um, but this is also the first Dallas Cowboys loss when Ezekiel Elliott's had 150 scrimmage yards previously 12-0 as well, and on the Jets side, defence came to play, and uh, Bell was was okay, he didn't do much, in the but, uh, and Sam Darnold loves Jameson Crowder, my God.
1: No, he does indeed. That was a massive um, connection in week one, wasn't it? And obviously, Donald's first game back, and now surprised to see Crowder benefiting, like you say, with his targets and receptions going up. Um, Just one other ridiculous stat, which, you know, credit to Adam for sharing this one with us in the group. Apparently, NFL teams are 90 and 1 since 1991 when they win not only the time of possession, but also the total yards, the turnover battle. They pick up at least 25 first downs and convert at least 10 or more third down attempts. And of course, you've guessed it, that one was the Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, Do I,
2: I don't like, oh. I, I, don't, I mean, it's a good stat, but the, the, the thing I don't like about those stats is, is, is find any, any stats, stack them all together to make it sound, sound impressive and, and, and a narrative and then just Bang it on, bang it on a team that's uh, that's bucked the trend. But there we go. It's just it's, we, there we, go. we always like to
1: kick a man when he's down.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Big game, big game. next we will we cover it on Thursday. But big, big game uh, Sunday night football next week. Cowboys, AT&T Stadium, uh, NFC East battle at the top. Uh, Cowboys versus the Eagles.
1: It will be should be a good one. Um, in terms of. Looking back, though, at week six, let's get back to the late slide. So, Falcons, Cardinals, um, no defences on show in this one, nearly 900 yards of offence. As Arizona outlasts the Falcons here with a missed extra point by Matt Ryan with less than two minutes remaining. Um, Matt Ryan, again, some impressive numbers, 30-36, 356 yards, four touchdowns, big days for Austin Hooper. Um, he grabbed eight balls over 100 yards and found the end zone. Cardinal Murray equally as impressive on the other side, 27 of 37 for 340 air yards and three touchdowns. Um, he shares the love a little bit more, similar to what I said about Russell Wilson earlier. doesn't particularly have a favourite target, although Larry Fitzgerald is always there when he needs an important grab. Um, and encouraging for the um, from the Cardinal's perspective, David Johnson seems to be returning to a little bit of form. Two wins in a row now. It'll be interesting to see how they progress. I know Lawrence is probably going to put something down in written form for our listeners and readers to digest in the Takeaway's article tomorrow. Um, And, Lawrence, I'm going to come back to you now, mate, for what was um, a big game over in the NFC West as the the phony Niners um, continue to not look all that phony and improve to 5-0 against the Rams. Yeah, I just wanted to say,
0: Tim. In terms of my um, my order, I'd like a, a spicy falafel pita with roasted vegetables, cold slaw, and some pickled jalapenos. If that's all right with you.
2: Yeah,
0: I've got um. <laughs> so we've got the Forty Nine ers now standing at five and zero, and they whilst they've got the probably just slightly more impressive Seahawks breathing down their neck at um, at five and one in the NFC West. Um, and yes, the the Hawks have played one more game, but the the 49ers defense is um absolutely no joke at all. In fact, they're that serious that they didn't allow a single third down conversion all game, which is just ridiculous for a mm. for a you know
1: team that's paid to move the ball. Mm. Yeah. Also, on top of that, they also restricted... fourth <coughs> down as well. They yeah, uh, Rams go for four on fourth mm. down as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean the Niners' D has allowed less points than the Bears and the Bills, and only the mighty Patriots' defense has been stingier. For for the Rams, with Todd Gurley out, the threat of Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson was was unable to get any traction, uh, and Jared Goff had his worst passing game in his NFL career. In fact, it's the it's actually the second game that he started when he's gone under 100 yards passing. And that was also against the 49ers when he was a rookie. So, the Rams have joined the Cowboys in the NFC East with their cold streak of three consecutive gloss- losses. And if the Rams can't beat the Falcons next week, then I think, arguably, they can kiss the postseason goodbye. I'm, I'm being bold this early in the season, but this is a team on the slide. In fact, I think it's that serious with the Rams that they might actually look at benching Jared Goff in favour of Blake Bortles, <laughs> and if you're if you're benching someone to put Blake Bortles in as a replacement, then you know you really are in trouble. So I think that's um, it. May be the Rams' only option at this stage. So they're they're gripping onto a pole that's greasier than a train spotter's comb. Um, I think the 49ers face the the Redskins in DC next week. Panthers at home, and then the Cardinals um, in their next three. So they'll be expecting a. To go seven and one, and and hoping for eight and zero, which is possible. And Jimmy Garoppolo, whilst he's not the complete package by any means, he's thrown five picks, but he's only taken six sacks all season. So I think that's partly down to the quality of the offensive line and partly the ability to read the
1: field and know the situation. Mm. I
2: disagree, but we'll 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 argue that at a later point.
1: Okay, uh, we'll close out the late schedule with the latest of them all. Sunday night football, which uh, I suppose in hindsight NBC would have wished they'd have flexed out as they had the Steelers and Chargers. Um, Chargers do what the Chargers seem to do, dig themselves an early grave and unable to get themselves out of it. Um, Philip Rivers with a couple of big turnovers, early doors in this one, and with Devin Bush being the recipient on both occasions. Um steelers um then lead essentially 24th and thin and like i say the comeback comes up short in the fourth quarter um i, I wrote this last week and it still surprises me every week I'm, I'm really struggling to understand why they are the la Chargers. um i saw nothing but yellow shirts in the crowd yet again on sunday i think the nfl really need to look at that and if we are going to get a london franchise I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers are a candidate to move because I don't, do not see a market for them in L.A. Um, but that's a different story altogether. In terms of the products on the field, horrendous day at the office for them. Um, on the ground, Eckler and Gordon combined for 32 yards between them. Um, and like I say, Philip Rivers didn't recover from those two early interceptions and the Chargers never got out of the hole. Devlin Hodges wasn't asked to do an awful lot, um, but he was relatively neat and tidy with what he did do 15 of 20 for 132 yards. Um, And it was a nice um, bit of a bounce back game for James Connor. Um, He left it injured um, in the second half, but it was probably his most productive game, which is probably reflective of the season he's had because his final stat line doesn't jump off the page. Rushing-wise, only 16 carries for 41 yards, but he did find the end zone. But he did most of his damage through the air. Uh, Seven receptions, by far the leading receiver. The next leading receiver only had two receptions. So a big emphasis of the game plan as the Steelers improved to two and four and the Chargers dropped to two and four. Uh, So that's your week six games in the book there, boys. We've gone through every one of them, through from Thursday night football to Sunday night football. Um, some big wins in there for a few teams, um, and we will move on to fourth down. It will be fourth and ten when we come back, and we'll be debating which rookie head coach is underachieving more than anyone else. Fourth down. Okay, so trying something new this week for fourth down. We're going to have a little debate. This is fueled essentially by the reaction that I was reading quite a lot on Twitter on Sunday night that the Browns need to fire Freddie Kitchens. Um, this is a guy that's six games into his NFL head coaching life. Uh, and it just got me thinking really that, you know, every year in the NFL we tend to see seven or eight coaching changes. And I just thought it'd be interesting to see at this stage what the records were and, and just have a bit of a debate between ourselves in terms of who's doing well which is probably very easy to, to establish when I go through the record shortly. Uh, but more importantly, who is underachieving, um, from what the expectations were. Um, so just to remind everyone, let's just go through who we've got and what the records are. So we have Zach Taylor at the Bengals, who are 0 and 6. Brian Flores at the Dolphins, who are 0 and 5. Bruce Arians at the Bucks, 2 and 4. The aforementioned Freddie Kitchens at the Browns, 2 and 4. Cliff Kingsbury, with that always awkward in two, three and one. They really need to think of how to get rid of the tie in the NFL. It just spoils the records for everybody. Vic Fangio at the Broncos, two and four, and the only guy with a winning record, and you'd have probably been surprised at this record, if we're being honest, is Matt LeFleur, who's backers at four and one. So a combined 12, 27 and one for the new head coaches, guys. Um, so... That's the question I want to ask you. Who's been the most disappointing and why? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes each to, to make your case. So, Lawrence, I'm going to start with you, mate. you two minutes and I will cut you off. Start now. Um, I'm most
0: disappointed, um, sorry to say, Sean, with Freddie Kitchens. I mean, the momentum that the Browns had from the end of the 2018 season just hasn't translated into this season. I mean, they won three out of their last four Um, ending last season. Um, they've had two wins out of six games now. They're two, they were two, three, and one after six games last season without Odell Beckham. Um, I mean, don't forget, this was the Sports Illustrated cover team going into the season with their big preview magazine. And now they're struggling to just live up to the hype. They were competitive against the Seahawks, but Mayfield has regressed and the chemistry is more like a primary school than a, um, Something from quantum physics between Kitchens and Mayfield. 21st in points scored and 20th in passing yards is not going to win you a division title. 14 picks all of last season for Mayfield. 11 in six games so far. Something's clearly wrong in the Kitchens. And this could be a one and done if results don't start improving.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I can't disagree. As a Browns fan, I obviously get to see it up close and personal each week. I think you make your case very well. You're well within your two minutes, mate. Any final uh, stats or remarks you want to add to your argument?
0: No, I I just think it's a shame because I think I've I've got a personal soft spot for the Browns in the 1980s when it was um, Bernie Kosar and Frank Minifield and um, the the dog towns kind of first came onto the scenes and on British TV and obviously the drive and the fumble and all of this. So I've, I've always had a soft spot for the Browns, but I think, you know, there was so much expectation heading into the season and it just, it's just a real shame that it hasn't happened because this is a team with a, with a huge amount of tradition and, and mod, you know, fans that have joined kind of the NFL since we've had games over in, um, in England, haven't really seen the best of the Browns
1: at all. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad in a way. I can't disagree with anything you've said there, my friend. Um, Tim, going to chuck it over to you, mate. I know you've got a different candidate that you deserve. So your two minutes, mate, start now.
2: Yeah. I mean, for for me, it's going to be, it's going to be Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians. I know he, it's, it's strange really, because you kind of think with Bruce Arians, what's going on in Tampa Bay, it's kind of taken the gloss off of his golden statue a little bit, isn't it? Um, notoriously known for offensive powerhouses. Obviously, you yeah, know, look what he did in, in Arizona with, with, um, Carlson Palmer and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, looking at Tampa Bay this year, it's, it's pretty much the same Tampa Bay as last year. It's just the fact that uh, Bruce Arians can't now go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Jameis Winston is still being Jameis Winston. They're still, you know, they're currently top five in points for, but bottom five in points against. And, you know, similar similar uh, statistics last season, we all know how bad they were and for for Bruce Arians all this talk about him being a quarterback whisperer I'm not quite sure what he's whispering in uh, Jameis Winston's ear apart from your crap or you you suck or something like that I'm not quite sure but um, I was half surprised at the start of the season they didn't do anything with the backfield you've got a load of guys there that are, you know, half, half jobby types of people. Ronald Jones has shown flashes. so I'm surprised they haven't tried to commit to him a bit more, but you've got the likes of Dare Ogun Bawali, um, getting mentions. Peyton Barber still being Peyton Barber. I'm just surprised he's not done more than each, than perhaps some people in, in Tampa Bay would have expected. Um, you know, that defense is going to be, you know, you can't really do a lot about that. Todd Bowles is not exactly coming in and, and done much. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that they're going to fire. Bruce Arians any time soon but considering where they were this time last season where they are now nothing has really changed uh, the, you know, the, the the division was there to, to be gotten out in terms of maybe making a wild card I just don't think Bruce Arians has, has done a lot there but I'm sure he'll be given time um, and say this off season could be quite a tumultuous one in terms of um, chemistry because a lot of people are going to be going out of that exit door
1: Yeah, convincing argument mate can't disagree with anything you've said did it with nine seconds. second so well done that man um I'm going to round the debate off with another coach in the AFC North, and I'm going to go with Zach Taylor over at the Bengals. Um, when you think back to the off-season, what was the blueprint that everybody was looking for? They were looking, quote-unquote, to hire the next Sean McVay, and what a better way than actually bringing somebody in off Sean McVay's staff and, and bringing in a young, supposedly offensive-minded guy in Zach Taylor. Um, This is a Bengals team that is now ranking 29th in the NFL in terms of points for averaging just 16.2 points per game. And I don't know whether it's just, you know, me reading it wrong, but it seems as though every week I look at Andy Dalton's stat line at halftime and he's literally like completed less than five passes in the first half. This team seems to be, you know, only sort of primed, if you like, after halftime adjustments And they just get off to really slow starts and and again, you know, can never get themselves dug out of that hole that they find themselves in. Um, In terms of the ground game, Lawrence mentioned how disappointing it was this weekend earlier. Um, You know, you've only got to look at it for the season. The average is, you know, three yards a carry. uh, Only found the end zone twice rushing. That's not going to get the job done. Uh, It may well be a pass happy league, but you need more production on the ground. But more importantly, if you look at the run defence against, this is a team that's given up already 1,100 yards on the ground, um, nine touchdowns, averaging over five yards a carry. Um, it's a team that, you know, at the minute is 0-6, realistically speaking, don't really see where a win is coming from. And, and although, yes, I would agree with Lawrence's view that the Browns possibly had more expectation, um, I think this is a team that, you know, others would have predicted to be certainly a lot more competitive in this division. And at the moment they just seem to be whipping boys. Um, you know, and ultimately they've got a lot to turn around in the second half of the season. Um so there's our three arguments. Um we've come up with three names there from the seven. Um I think we would probably all be in agreement that Matt LaFleur doesn't qualify with the winning record and the Packers looking decent.
2: You mean you mean Aaron Rodgers, Sean? Uh, well, you could say that. <laughs> it would
1: be, um, be interesting to get the views of our listeners again and our readers. So, we'll potentially open this up to get some debate on it. I think it's always interesting to look back at these decisions partway through the season because um, we always overanalyse them at the start when we know nothing. Now we know a bit. It feels like more of a debate. Um, but, you know, for me, I don't think you fire a guy after six games. That's just my view, regardless of the record. Um, You know, even Bill Belichick didn't get off to the greatest of starts in his head coaching career. Uh, These guys do need a bit of time. Uh, So that's fourth down, guys. I'm afraid that we'll have to turn it over on downs, but everybody get your hands ready to clap along. It's everybody's favourite corner. We're going over to Jason Garrett's corner.
2: Yeah, boy. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a puppet. It's four and one, don't do it, just clap your hands.
1: Yes, ladies and gents, everyone's favourite corner has returned for another week. And Tim, I believe you're going to throw the man himself in there for the second week running.
2: Yeah, like get, roll out the red carpet, folks. Roll out the red carpet. Yeah, Jason Garrett, um, Yeah, not not covering himself in any glory. Firstly, I want to, I want to, I want to preface, it, preface it by saying, did anyone see the clip where Jason Garrett come out onto the field as uh, all the defence were, were walking off trying to get some like, low fives and just no one gave him any low fives? That That man there is a dead man walking, I think. Uh, That's quite interesting and quite funny to see, actually, just getting no love. It's it almost like the uh, the head coach version of Tom Brady trying to get a high five. Uh, but there we go. Um, yeah, Jason Garrett, um, Cowboys driving down the field inside the two minutes. 40 seconds left. I think about. But, deep inside the 10-yard line, get a first down and then decide to take a timeout knowing full well that um, they still had the full com- complement of three timeouts but taking the timeout meant that if they didn't get the uh, the two-point conversion that they were definitely going to go for, the game would be over. So w- why not just get either either have a play call ready uh, for Dak Prescott or tell him to spike the ball and just do it from three downs? Because by taking that third timeout, you've immediately given yourself no chance of, of, of winning the game should you... Do an onside kick and and obviously the Jets were covering it, which was also actually quite close to be fair. But yeah, absolutely threw threw the game away. Obviously, you should make the, be making the two point conversion, but yeah, absolutely ludicrous time time clock management there from from the man himself.
1: Yeah, he does seem to be a regular in his own corner, which I suppose is only fair. Yeah, um, Lawrence, did you pick up any dodgy coaching decisions this week?
0: Yeah, I mean, this, this was right at the end of the the Redskins Dolphins game with the the decision, with the momentum, a kind of tidal wave of momentum with the Dolphins um, coming back from seventeen three down to almost tie the game up, seventeen um, sixteen. They they can kick the extra point, bang, we're in overtime. Fitz Magic is in full operation. And the likelihood of them trying to eventually get in the win was, was probably um a higher percentage. But no, they went, okay, we're gonna go for the two. Chad O'Shea made a um really conservative call going through a um a kind of hitch swing pass to the left hand side to Kenyan Drake. It wasn't wasn't a positive running play. It wasn't a pass into the end zone, it was a pass kind of three yards out. And Kenyan Drake just kind of completely mishandled it. Um, it just goes back to this thing about teams and, and the, kind of the, the 2019 season seems to be the, the, this big shift for people just not wanting to go into overtime. And I don't quite know what it is, but people are just trying to, they're going for the two point conversion, trying to win games and they just don't want to go into overtime.
2: You know why that is, though, Lawrence? They didn't want to win the game. They did it on purpose.
0: Wow. You, you you
2: watch Kenyon Drake. There's no way Kenyon Drake. He 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 knows it's coming to him. He just makes it look like he's dropped the ball. And it's, there's no way on God's green earth that Miami Dolphins want to win that game. Even anyway. if he catches that ball, he's got four defenders
1: yeah, to run. Exactly. Through. He, wouldn't, he, he wasn't getting to the end zone. They, so. they
2: doubled, d- doubled down on that play. Even if he caught it, he didn't catch it anyway. But just in case he did, uh, by you know, by some miracle, there was no way he was getting to the end zone. Double double dipped on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a two point conversion where they've probably gone, they've thrown the ball backwards in mm. order to go mm. forwards.
2: Mm. Um, I mean, he might as well, yeah, I Ryan mean, Fitzpatrick might as well just spiked the ball. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what he did. He just chucked it at Kenyon Drake. Uh, brilliant.
1: Yeah. We'll never know. Maybe there was another Miami Miracle up the sleeves. Maybe it was a reverse lateral that was going to be passed back the other side of the field. We'll never know because he dropped the ball. <laughs> um <laughs> There's probably further candidates for Jason Garrett's corner, but we're going to leave it there this week, folks, because we are bang out of time. We've reached the two-minute warning, which means we need to bring this podcast to a close, um, which just leaves me to say, as per usual, keep your eyes peeled on fulltenyards.com. There will be plenty of content for your viewing pleasure throughout the week, including the boys over in the college branch. Some excellent stuff going up there from Lee and the boys, and they will be in between your ears on Tuesday evening as well. Um, Obviously, as we get towards week seven, the boys will be giving you some fantasy advice. So look out for the articles from Rob and the gang. And we will be back, boys, on Thursday to discuss what's coming up in week seven. Um, Tim's already sort of giving you a little sneak peek in terms of there's a big Sunday night football game which I'm sure we'll discuss in more detail um, as teams try and position themselves ready for the stretch now as we get towards Thanksgiving the clock's going back it's a sign that playoff football isn't a million miles away already as frightening as that sounds um, so that's going to wrap us up for your Monday edition of the full 10 yards thanks ever so much for everyone listening and it wouldn't be one of our podcasts without Tim closing in his own unique manner. So, Mr. Monk, it's over to you, Paul.
2: <laughs> in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lawrence.
1: Take care, everybody. From Sean. Cheers, fellas. Enjoyed it. Thank you.
2: And goodbye from me. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye bye for now. A bye bye.